Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Welcome to the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored as always by BetMGM. Nick Whalen here with my trusty comrade, John McKechnie. We're going to be talking week six of the NFL season. We'll do a little week five recap. Uh, I'll be licking my wounds a little bit, John. I had a rough week against the spread. Uh, the straight up picks went okay, but uh, that's, you know, that, that, that's chump change as far as what we're concerned here. But mm-hmm. uh, first of all, I will acknowledge, yes, I am in a hotel. I am, I'm in a different time zone. I'm, I'm out in the mountain time right now in Colorado. Uh, just got back from a nice little uh, morning trip out to Boulder. Uh, I, I know you've been there as well. I'll tell you what, man, as, as guys, we, we both went to big state schools. You went to Georgia. I went to Wisconsin. UC Boulder is on the short list of places where, like, I would never, I would ne- if I could do it over again, I would always go to Wisconsin. But, man, what a campus they have. Yeah, un- unreal. Uh, that, that setup in Boulder, um, you know, like, I had a hard enough time getting my sheepskin at Georgia. Um, but, boy. Uh, yeah, going to Colorado, I don't know how the old GPA would have, would have fared. Uh, at least uh, I would have had to really, really focus on uh, classes that didn't uh, require attendance, I, I think, because it, I mean, how, you know, App State, you know, to a lesser degree, it had that similar sort of like the outdoors are just calling you at, at all times. Right. Uh, but Colorado is just like to like a, an entirely different extent. So f- just gorgeous out there. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of UW Madison, just with a dramatically better backdrop. And, and Madison's not bad. You, you know, you and I both lived there for a number of oh, years. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good spot to be. But uh, yeah, Boulder, a, a heck of a setup they got here. Uh, I should mention before we get too deep, promo code BETROTO, B E T R O T O. Use that if you are betting on any NFL games this weekend. You got to be doing that over at the Bet MGM app. You can use it on betmgm.com. As well, you use our code BetRoto. Your first wager is risk-free. And you're going to hear all about that later in the pod. Uh, when John, uh, is this a three-peat on the read? Sad, sadly, uh, it sure is. You know, like we, the the agreed-upon uh, arrangement was you don't get off of, the, of doing the read unless you get your best bet right. So even if both of us get them wrong, as was the case last week, I'm still the reigning best bet loser. And uh, thanks a lot, touchdown, Tom. The the one time that I'm like, okay, let's go Bucks, let's go, let's go Tom Brady, and uh, you know that that goes to show me. So I I went against my spirit, I went against my soul, and uh, I paid dearly for it, and and it will uh, be uh, just redistributed via uh, doing a, a lengthy read with a lot of phone numbers. But a read that we love, nonetheless. We do, I'll tell you that much. We we love doing it. Uh, we we love that MGM and. Uh, again, make sure you're using that promo code BETROTO if you're throwing down 
any wagers this weekend. Uh, let's take a quick look back at the week that was uh, week five. Uh, this was my worst week against the spread so far. You know, you and I, we both write a picks column each week. I do the staff picks column as well. Uh, those are the same picks. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that though. I'm like, maybe I should start mixing it up. Like I'll just pick complete opposites and, and see which one comes out better, especially after a week like this last one. I mean, I, I went 12 and four straight up, you know, I mean, not that that's the hardest thing in the world to do, but um, you know, a, a lot of those big numbers that we talked about last week, you know, we ended up getting some close games. I, you know, my best bet was, was green Bay covering and well, no, I think I made the Jags my best bet. I was deciding between Correct. green Bay and the Jags. I think I did end up going with the Jags. I mean, obviously that was completely disastrous. Uh, that, that went about as badly as it could have. Um, and then the other one I was considering green Bay, you know, I, I thought there was no way that the Packers would have a letdown like they did against New England. And of course they were able to escape that game in overtime. I just thought, okay, that was the letdown game. They got through it. That was the wake up call. It's not happening again. Uh, Jonathan, it happened again. Boy, did it. Um, and, and, you know, to, to your larger point last week felt like a, a bit of just a reckoning. I feel like, uh, my, myself included and others, uh, kind of had a humbling, uh, week five as far as NFL betting against the spread was concerned. Um, I, I play, or one of the legs in Derek Van Riper's uh, fantasy pentathlon is a spread picks uh, leg of it. And no one was better than eight, eight and eight. So, wow. I mean, and, and these are, you know, sharp guys from around the industry. Um, so these aren't just, you know, just your average Joe's playing in this yeah, league. The sharpest of the sharp- yeah. I mean, if I'm in there, I mean, for crying out loud, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just rough across the board. I felt like, and you know, so many were, we're close until the very end and it ended up going the other way and what, what have you. But at, at, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was kind of, it was a re establishing by, by the books. I feel like that, like, yeah, like it, you, you think you're running hot right now and uh, it's time for a nice little slice of humble pie. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, kind of a reminder of who runs things uh, in the sports mm-hmm. handicapping world. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we saw the bills take care of a huge number against Pittsburgh. You know, you hit that 98 yarder to Gabe Davis, on the first drive and you could kind of see the writing on the wall. And honestly, I felt that game could have been a much bigger blowout than it ended up being. Um, you know, I, I ended up getting the the chargers Browns game. Correct. I, I, I picked the correct score on that one. It did not feel like it should have gone that way. I, I, I really think Cleveland for like the third time this year, you know, has, has completely blown a, a great chance to win that game. They, they had an opportunity to put a touchdown or a field goal on the board in their second to last drive at that point, thinking you might not even get the ball back. We get Jacoby Brissett with an extremely, extremely crushing Trevor Lawrence-esque interception <laughs> in the end zone. And then of course, Cade York, you know, after the Chargers gifted Cleveland another chance, um, you know, misses the long field goal that would have won it. I, the Browns to me are, are becoming a really, really difficult team to figure out. I, I keep saying like, it feels like they're doing all the right things. Like they're pounding the run, you know, they're way up there in terms of run rate and Nick Chubb's running well, Kareem Hunt's running well. Chubb, by the way, very quietly on pace for a 2,000 yard season. Uh, you know, and that's 17 games. So maybe how else can how else does Nick Chubb do anything? Yeah, he he he's, lives he's he lives like 2,000 yards at a time. That's right. He's just uh, he's a, he's a man who just uh, he goes about his business uh, and he's going to run through your face for five to uh, 50 yards, pretty much per pop. Yeah, he's been incredible. Um, I, I didn't love that they went away from him late in that game. It was Kareem Hunt who kind of got the final carry that looked like, you know, they were they were trying to catch uh, LA off guard and, and they ran the ball with no timeouts. Kareem Hunt ends up taking a loss of one there. Uh, and I get it. You know, maybe you're trying to show pass and that's why you have Hunt in there. But I didn't love 
taking Chubb out of that game. And, you know, ultimately too many pass attempts for, for Jacoby Brissett, who just continues to kill them. Like, you know, late in the game, it's like you just, all you need to do is just not make a horrific mistake. And he's now 0 for 3 uh, on that request. And I mean, that brings us now, you know, as we kind of transition into week six, a brutal, brutal game to pick between uh, the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots this week. Uh, you know, last week to me felt like the first week where even though my, my ATS picks ended up being terrible, I at least felt okay about them going into the week. You know, the, the first few weeks of the season was, was such a mess. And, uh, you know, week six kind of reminds me of that now where you, you have a couple big numbers, but for the most part, a lot of really, really close games that, that to me feel like 50-50s. And Cleveland right now sitting as a minus two and a half point favorite over at Bet MGM. That seems about right. I mean, I just, this is such a difficult game. It really is because I mean the like you said the the Browns if nothing else have been like consistently in all of their games they they just you know haven't come out on the on the right side New England is the is the real wild card here and and you know traditionally under Bill Belichick they've been amazing against the number uh, everyone knows that um, the the post Tom Brady era obviously a little bit different um, but you know for for last week. They were what three point favorites against the Lions. That they, they yep. you know covered that with with ease. With you know shutting out the number one offense in in football at the time, uh, twenty nine to zero. So I, I don't know if I feel like a sucker for buying any sort of you know quote unquote momentum. But you know the 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 Patriots were able to put a scare into the Packers. Maybe that doesn't mean as much as we thought. And then going ahead and and thumping the Lions. Obviously they have to go on the road this time. We still don't know as as of this recording who's going to be starting uh, for New England, but even still, I think that uh, Cleveland and the way that they got gashed on the ground last week, uh, there's going to be so much rushing yardage in the, in this game between Ramondre Stevenson and Nick Chubb because both these teams really do struggle against the run. And I think that it's important to note that the Browns they they let down against the Falcons the the week prior and got run on a little bit, but you know they got Miles Garrett back and they got. Uh, Jadevian Clowney back and they still uh, kind of got torched on, on the ground. So I, th- th- that signals to me that they're not going to be able to fix that problem in season. So um, you run into a Patriots team that's probably not going to be overly interested in throwing the ball a lot, especially if it's Bailey Zappi out there. And, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, that guy's a battering ram. So that, that could be really tough. And I give the coaching edge to Belichick. So I actually, I like the Patriots to not only cover, but I would consider them on the money line as well this week. I've been thinking about it myself. Um, you know, it feels like last week was was kind of a momentum builder for the Patriots. And you look at, I mean, the Lions are sitting there at one and four. And it, it you know, it maybe to a team like New England, it's not that big of a victory. But, you know, the, the Lions, I, I think, still felt like a much better team coming into that game last week. And that, to me, felt like a real reckoning for Detroit, getting completely shut down. I think they were 0 of 6 on fourth downs in that game, just could not convert at key times. And I think that was a kind of a prove-it game for New England that, look, we can win with anybody at quarterback. And I think the Browns make enough mistakes as a team that no matter what New England is going to have a really good chance to win this game. And, and a lot of those guys you mentioned, I mean, Miles Garrett questionable as of right now. And so is the Jevion Clowney and, you know, Denzel Ward is in concussion protocol uh, as of Thursday as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that, that could go wrong. I think injury wise for Cleveland, uh, they're a team that I, I think recognizes that it's missed some major opportunities already. And I think if they lose this game at home, um, things could really go South for the Cleveland Browns, you know, kind of waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back. And I mean, this is something that we'll end up discussing a couple months from now, but I, I'm not convinced that Deshaun Watson's just going to walk back in and, and start playing at an MVP level and, and be ready to save this team. Like, I, I think 
they've missed a couple big time opportunities to bank wins that are going to be really, really valuable later in the year. No, ab- absolutely. I mean, they, they could be, you know, well out of the playoff hunt by the time that, that uh, Deshaun Watson takes back over, you know, be, when you look beyond this game, they go to Baltimore next week, they got a game against Cincinnati the following week, then a bye, um, and then Miami and Buffalo all leading up to, uh-huh. to you know, uh, the, the much awaited week 12, but they got to play against Tampa Bay at that point. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty tough, uh, you know, sledding here for, for this Browns team. And again, when you look back at, at games like the ones against the, the Falcons uh, and against the Jets in particular, and in last week, I think fits yeah. that mold. Like we've been saying, you know, like that's, that's three losses that, that could have very easily been wins. And, you know, I, I you know, that just really, really is going to sting at the end of the day. And they, they look back at this season and there are a couple games out of the out of the postseason hunt and they, they wonder why. It's like, well, uh, blowing it early in the season, I think, is going to have a lot to do with it. Yeah, somehow you could argue that last week was only their third worst loss of the year in, in a game that included a, you know, t- a end zone interception with like under five minutes to play and then a missed field goal as time expired. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been that kind of year already for the Cleveland Browns. Um, as we do every week, let's start taking a look at the week six lines. And we've, we've already done our little preview of Pat's Browns, so we can check that one off the list. But um, any spreads right now that, that look just a little bit too high to you? Um, so I, I do feel like that Browns one is too high, but I think the two that are really drawing my interest is one, the Packers uh, giving seven and a half at, at home against the Jets. And then uh, the game that I, I think is breaking my brain the most this week. And and that's the Panthers going up against the Rams. Like ne- nobody likes betting on either of these teams. And yet here we are, we, we have to, and this is a game that uh, if not for, for fantasy and betting, I, I think it would fall well below the, our like interest level radar for, for just being NFL fans. But you know, you, you break it down and you know, th- there are such good cases to be made on I- either side of this one. Like, how can you possibly trust the, the Rams to cover more than 10 points against any NFL team? But then it's like the, the Panthers aren't just any NFL team. They're, they're a team that, that just got beaten so badly at home after a string of already like pretty painful losses for them. Going ahead and get pushed into the dirt by, by the 49ers to the point where they, you know, had to clean house a little bit. Baker Mayfield hobbled it looks like it's gonna be pj walker time with sam darnold and, and matt corral still on on ir um and you know pj walker's guy matt rule obviously gone now now they got to go across the country um it's just like well how, how do the panthers put up even uh, you know something resembling a fight in in this spot you know do, do they are they in full quit mode or or does uh, the move away from Matt Rule kind of wake them back up a little bit, so that that kind of makes them a little bit dangerous. And we'll we'll get to it for Survivor as well because it's the biggest spread of the week and everything. But it's like, what what's your read on this one? Did, are are you kind of on the on the same page as me as far as like how how can you back either of these guys? A hundred percent. And I, I already had to submit my picks earlier this week, and I, I'm taking the Panthers to cover. I'm taking the Rams to win. Uh, and when I wrote this game up for my beating the book column, you know, I essentially said, like, I, I can't really envision the Rams losing this game, but I also can't envision them running away with it. You know, like, I mean, the Rams, if they were playing almost any other team, I feel like I would pick them to lose this week. But it's Carolina. They just fired their coach. They're on a backup quarterback. Um, however, the, like the Baker to PJ uh, change, like, makes me feel better about this team. Right. I mean, I think we had seen everything we needed to see 
out of Baker Mayfield. There, there are no more excuses. There's no more, oh, he's banged up. Uh, you know, the pieces are changing around him. Like, it wasn't good. You know, like, they were in that game against the 49ers until that, that killer pick six uh, that essentially ended it. And I, I think you really can't get any worse than, than the, the quarterback play that they've gotten from Baker Mayfield thus far. So, you know, I, I think on the other end, you could say, well, you know, Baker's been terrible, but there's a reason that they haven't thrown PJ Walker out there. Maybe they trust him even less. And I, I get that, but I, again, I just don't think it could be any worse. And at least PJ Walker can run around. He could give defenses different looks. Like I, I, to me, like if I'm the Rams, I'd rather face this team with Baker Mayfield. I, I think there's a little more predictability there. Um, and I would rather face this team with Matt rule as the head coach. You know, I, I think in general, you, when, it, when a coach is fired, you kind of imagine the, the turmoil and the confusion that could be going on. But when it's a coach who was just a clear sitting duck, and I think everybody knew going into week one, he was likely to be fired at some point this year. I, I think there's got to be a breath of fresh air for at least some people in that building, right? I mean, you, you're bringing in Steve Wilkes, a former head coach. Uh, it's not it's not somebody who's just going to be directionless. Like I, I think the Panthers could get a little bit of a bounce here. And again, I, I don't think they do enough to win this game. I, I think this is a good... Uh, I, I guess technically a bounce back spot for the Rams, but I also don't feel like we're going to come out of this game being like, all right, the Rams are back, baby. Yeah. I, I think I'm just, you know, we've, we've hashed this question at, at different points this season already, but like, you know, the teams that uh, we're, we're not so sure on or teams that we don't think are, are going to turn it around. And I think the Rams are, are, you know, firmly in that discussion. So, I mean, I think the fact that we're even having this discussion at all, kind of lets you know the the state of the Rams. Um, they, they just, you know, it was like the most public bet out there la- last week. And, it, you know, I think part, part of it being that who their opponent was, everyone loves betting on the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, like it, you know, the line kept climbing. Uh, it, you know, in spite of all that, it went from like four and a half to five and a half. And, you know, the, the Cowboys did, did what they did. Um, I don't know if, the the Panthers quite have the pass rush, of course, that, that Dallas does to, you know, kind of uh, foul things up for Matthew Stafford. But but even still, like, it, again, just point being, this is a Rams team that I think is is pretty busted to, the you know, to even be talking at this length uh, about whether they can cover a spread against the Panthers. I think it says a lot. Yeah, it says a lot that they are 10 and a half point favorites. And it says a lot that we feel so negatively about that. And they are one of those teams. It's like, to me, it's like the Rams or the Bengals are the teams that I just, I, I can't find myself quitting quite yet. And I, Denver was in that zone for a little bit. I, I officially put them in betting jail in my beating the book column this week. They're in jail. I won't be betting on them at all. Uh, but with the Rams, it's like, and the Bengals, right? I mean, these teams were playing each other in the Super Bowl not that long ago. It's like, you know, deep down it's there with Denver or a team like Jacksonville, you know, that I was really high on a couple of weeks ago. It's like, okay, maybe it was fool's gold, but like we know for a fact it's not fool's gold with the Rams and the Bengals because uh, of where they were last year and because of how little shakeup uh, there's been on these rosters. So I, I think the belief in this spread cer- certainly implies that. The belief is that the Rams will figure it out at some point. They're too talented. They're too well coached. But yeah, right now, man, that, that offense is really rough. You brought up Packers, minus seven and a half. I'm completely with you. Uh, these are the two that I pinpointed as well, Rams and Packers. I don't understand how the Packers are getting this kind of respect. Uh, after the the back-to-back uh, games that we've seen from them uh, against the Patriots and the Giants. And I understand last week, you know, wasn't a true home field advantage. So so maybe they're getting that bump this week. That's all well and good. But I think the Jets are are better than the Giants. I think they're more talented. I, I think they have more explosive players. You know, obviously Saquon Barkley is maybe uh, the first guy you would take if you were drafting both of those rosters. But if you're just drafting skill position players between those two teams, it's Saquon one and the Jets might have like the next 10 guys. Yeah. 
No, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, yeah. When uh, when do you get to David Sills? When do you get to, yeah, to Kenny right, Galladay exactly. in in that draft? Uh, they might be UDFA's. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. And you know, it, I was I was trying to trying to think this through as to why it was so it felt so obvious to me that that the Jets would be the right side here. And yes, like their their last two wins have have come against you know lesser opponents. You know, the Pittsburgh kind of kind of being forced into making their change at quarterback in the middle of that game. And then Pickett obviously throws a bunch of interceptions. And then, you know, last week, Teddy Bridgewater, already the second quarterback in Miami, uh, he gets knocked out of that game and it's Skylar Thompson. So it's like, well, of course the, the Jets should take care of business, but they did, they, they did in both cases. And it feels like there's a little bit of juice in that building in a way that we haven't seen what, since the Sanchez. I mean, it, it's been, a Even minute. then, there wasn't a ton of juice. But no, you're no. right. You're right. No. I think this team, like, I still am not a Zach Wilson believer. I, I hope he proves me wrong. I, I think he's, like, the idea of him is really fun. I, I hope it works out. I haven't quite seen enough yet to buy in. But I, Brees Hall looks amazing. I think the receiving core that they've put together is really good. The defense is starting to come together. Like, I mean, if I'm Green Bay, like, I, I'm not I, I'm not comfortable with this game at all. I, I'm certainly not comfortable with the Packers covering seven and a half. I, I love the Jets in that situation. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's where I'm at with it too. And and again, you know, with it being past that magic number of seven, you need the Packers to, to, you know, kind of win this one pretty convincingly. And I, I think just uh, a, a bit of a re- refrain that we've had over the course of the season is like the, the Packers are being priced in a way that is um, more in line with, with who they've been in recent years and not who they are this year. Like, I just I don't trust the Packers to win blowouts like even when they do beat up on on teams or even when they do win. I just very rarely expected unless it's the Bears to to come by a lot of points like maybe, um, you know, the the total yarders that they allow or, you know, there are other things to to look at to to show the ways in which the Packers could have dominated a game. But I don't know if it's really going to show up on the scoreboard that much this year. Yeah, and even that Bears game. I mean, it was not a a wire to wire blowout by any means. I think they only won that one by ten points. They did cover, but it was close. Um, let's go on the other side. Some lines right now, and there are, there are plenty of small lines this week, so a lot to choose from. But uh, any that look a little too low to you? Um, so th- this one might be a sucker one, but um, I-, I think that the Vikings only uh, giving three on the road against a backup quarterback led uh, Miami Dolphins team. You know at as we're recording this, it looks very likely um, that that it's going to be Skylar Thompson, uh, fun college quarterback, but uh, you know certainly not uh, someone that you feel great about it in the NFL. And uh, so, f- for the Vikings to only be giving three, it feels almost fishy to me, but like not not to the point where I'm going to to move off of it. So I, I would I would be comfortable taking the Vikings up to like up to four and a half points. Uh, I wonder if this line moves a little bit over the weekend. I, I doubt it does. Um, I th- think sh- things should stay pretty static, but I, I think that the Vikings uh, only giving three is is a bit low. And then uh, I, I've been on the record bashing this team, but I feel like the Cardinals only two and a half points. I feel like they, they could really um, kind of take care of business up in, up in Seattle in a pretty significant way. Maybe, maybe it's, Foolish to write off uh, the this Seahawks team at, at this point the way that they've been playing, especially on offense and the Cardinals defense certainly not not particularly good either. And this is in Seattle, but I think that Seattle has enough problems and uh, Cardinals 
that Rondale Moore is back in the fold. Um, they, they're obviously banged up in the backfield, but I think that they're at their best when they're just kind of turning Kyler loose. I think the Cardinals can win this one by a touchdown. I think so too. I, I like that one. Um, I mean, Seattle to me has just been so fluky in some ways week to week. And I, I think at this point we just have to respect the offense. I mean, they've only had one down game uh, really all year. And that was San Francisco in week two, where it kind of felt like, okay, you know, they, they beat Denver in week one, you know, that was, that was an emotional game. Um, and this is maybe the, the real Seattle Seahawks. And it turns out that that wasn't really the case either. Like I, I think this is a team that's going to pile up points and I, I don't love the Cardinals defense, uh, although they are right now, you know, they're hanging around top 10 defense against the pass. Um, so I, I, I don't think this is like the greatest spot in the world for Geno Smith, but um, I, I'm excited to see what Kenneth Walker can do for Seattle in this game. I, I don't think that's actually a huge downgrade going from Penny to Walker. I think he's going to give them some juice, had a really nice play uh, against that New Orleans defense last week. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of the Cardinals defense. Like, can they, can they keep Seattle under 30? Because I think the Cardinals have a really good chance to score 35 plus. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the, like you said, it's going to come down to, to how much, Seattle slows down this Cardinals attack. They're obviously very familiar with it at this point, you know, with it being what you're, you're four uh, for Kyler Murray. So that the offenses were made, remain basically the same uh, there in Arizona coaching staff, obviously the, the same there in Seattle. So they, they pretty much know what, what's coming. Um, but, you know, I think it, it's just, it's tricky to deal with the, those smaller fast guys like, like Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown. Um, I think that, you know, the, the uh, Seattle has these big corners and they might be at a bit of a disadvantage if they don't like get that uh, initial jam off the line. Um, you know, they, they could totally get lost by, by those two types of, of players. And it ends up, you know, in some big, big plays. So like for DFS, I'm, I'm going to be all in on this game. I think also partially because so many, so much attention is going to be drawn by the, the bills chiefs game, of course. But um, I think that this one has, you know, a lot of juice to it. I, I like the the over in this game as well at 50 and a half. So um, for, for me, again, I, I do think the Cardinals kind of like, you know, reestablish or I don't know if reestablish is the right word, but I, I think that they go into Seattle and, and get this done in Seattle, you know, just loses another game as, you know, one would expect with, with a Geno Smith led offense, even though, you know, he's kind of been making all of his doubters eat his words all year. So I'd like your Minnesota call and we should know that number has ticked up to three and a half. Um, you know, as of today on, on bet MGM. So already moving in that direction and, you know, could be a situation where once we do have some clarity on that Dolphins quarterback situation, you know, could move another half point or a point in favor of Minnesota. Uh, the, the only other game I want to bring up in this context is should the Buccaneers be favored by more than eight and a half on the road at Pittsburgh? Or is that about right to you? Yeah, that's that's making me feel icky as well. Um, I, I think that you really kind of have to draw on how bad the Steelers are uh, in order to to really get behind the the Bucks um, at that number at, at you know more than a touchdown because you know that the Steelers are a well coached team and we, you know we talked about it last week. We're just simply not used to seeing uh, a plus number that high ne- next to the Steelers logo, but that's just kind of where they are right now. Um, th- this is obviously a better setup for Pittsburgh with it being at home, but that that Bucks defense uh, is better than the Bills one, um, and it's it's a scary scary bunch. Defense travels, so I expect them to force some turnovers, and I just don't I just don't think at the end of the day that you can really trust Pittsburgh to score like more than fourteen points. I, and I don't think that this Tampa Bay offense is, is clicking, and I don't think that they necessarily like get right here, but. 
again, by, by extension of, of just thinking that the Steelers aren't going to be able to put up much on the scoreboard, I just feel like that this has the smell of like a 24-13 win for, for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I would like to see a game where we, we really see Tampa's offense unleashed. And you know, I, I know they put up a decent amount of points against Kansas City, but they're playing from behind. They completely abandoned the run uh, in that game, only had six rushing attempts all night. It, it didn't really feel like a, a cohesive effort by that offense. And I mean, there, there's such a key difference when Chris Godwin is healthy. That changes everything for them, you know, having more than one true weapon. But it does still feel like they're, they're kind of struggling to replace, replace Gronk. Uh, we're already in the same old narrative when it comes to Julio Jones. I mean, it kind of feels like he's going to end the season playing in like four or five regular season games. And we're going to look back and, and kind of feel like fools. I already am for, for getting excited uh, about what he could be in that offense. But they miss him, man. Like they, this has been a, a really, really tame version of the Buccaneers. And, and they're one of those teams that has, has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt uh, with Tom Brady at quarterback. And they're going to be a scary opponent no matter what, even if this is what the offense looks like throughout the entire regular season. But you got to think at some point uh, that they're going to start establishing themselves on that side of the ball. But they haven't really had to because the defense has been so good. Yeah, exactly. So the the pieces, as they come back, um, it should kind of result in this offense clicking. I think that the offensive line, um, you know, with, with, you know, dating back to Ali Marpet, uh, retiring and, and Ryan Jensen going out for the season. Like I, I think that that offensive line needs some time to gel and, you know, fortunately for them, they don't have to go up against TJ Watt this week. So I, I just don't really feel like the Steelers defense is, is commensurate with what, with what we're used to seeing out of them. So um, maybe, you know, again, I, I don't fully feel like this is the week that, that uh, everything clicks for, for old touchdown Tom and, and the, the Bucks offense, but um, I still think the defense is so good that, um, you know, they, they just keep the Steelers kind of trending towards, you know, maybe, maybe the Steelers are on the clock, you know, but by, by the end of the season, I mean, it's looking uh, pretty rough there in Pittsburgh. Sorry to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could tell the the pain in your mm. voice. Uh, that was very authentic, uh, you know, crying for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, John, I believe if I'm correct here, we have a message from the folks at BetMGM. You know what? You're right. We absolutely do. And here it is. Kick off the new f- pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager or 19 years or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Mm-hmm. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER. 
in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Iowa, 1-800-981-0023. In Puerto Rico, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889, I'm sorry, 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in Nevada or New York. Ooh. Another domination. Back to back to back dominations by John McKinney. Hopefully you get I can't off the dominate my best bets, but I can dominate the reads, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a what a consolation knowing that, you know, even if your best bet doesn't hit, at least you get to do that read. Yeah. I actually I do have fun with it. It it is a it's a it's a good time and we we build it up nicely. It's a it's a it's a fun little thing. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't do a ton of reading other than like reading sports articles. So it's, it's good practice, if nothing else. You know, you really, you really got to kind of warm up. You got to get the tongue into it. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to, it's, it's, you know, you got to make sure your wind is there. Like, it's not often that you're going to have to read something aloud uh, that's that long and, and that intricate. No, it, exactly. So the, there's a there's an art and a science to it all, and uh, we're, we're getting it dialed in. I think we are. Um, all right, John, I want to take a look at some futures. And, and last week I threw a few at you, just kind of a would you bet it, won't you bet it. Uh, I, I just want to do a general overview. We have not really checked in uh, on Super Bowl odds since week one. And it feels like we're far enough into the year now, uh, you know, almost uh, one third of the way through the regular season, that we could kind of reset. We, we could decide which teams, you know, actually feel like contenders, uh, which teams do not. Uh, I, I think there's a, a pretty fine line right now. It feels like we have, you know, three, four, five really good teams at the top, and then everybody else is all uh, pretty closely matched. But uh, Bills right now are the favorites at BetMGM, plus 325. Uh, you got the Chiefs at plus 550, the Eagles at plus 650, Buccaneers 10 to 1, Niners 14 to 1, Packers 14 to 1, Ravens 14 to 1, the Dallas Cowboys sitting at 18 to 1. Uh, do any of those pique your interest before we get into some some longer shots? Yeah, it is, uh, you know, pretty noticeable how the top three have kind of separated themselves, you know, with with the Bills, Chiefs and Eagles. Uh, Most notably, the Eagles have really moved up the the board uh, since the start of the season and deservedly so uh, being undefeated as they are. Um, The Bucks, I I would fade that at at plus a thousand. Um, You know, we were just talking about them as big favorites against Pittsburgh, of course. But, you know, it's a whole different discussion. Otherwise, I don't know if they if they quite have the offensive firepower to, to hang with the Chiefs or the Bills. Um, I'm a little bit skeptic. I still need to see a little bit more from the Eagles. I, I was more sold on them uh, just a couple of weeks ago, but you know, a couple of uh, like meh-ish performances. Uh, I still like them at plus 650. Those are still good odds. I still view them as the best team in the NFC, but I'm not sure that they're better uh, than either the Bills or the Chiefs. I uh, would fade the Packers from from that group. I fade the Ravens. Uh, the Cowboys are, are kind of interesting because you know if they're able to kind of keep afloat, or even you know if they're able to to just straight up uh, win this game Sunday night and kind of like position themselves really well in the NFC East, 
and then Dak Prescott comes back and you know that that defense is is one of the best in the league and the offense like really hasn't even been unlocked yet. You know, the, the Cowboys are pretty interesting to me, I think, at, at plus 1,800. I'm with you on that. I, I really like the Cowboys at plus 1,800. Um, you know, Baltimore at 14 to 1 is interesting to me. I, I think that defense is going to continue to get better. It does feel like there may be like one reliable playmaker short. Um, although, you know, once as J.K. Dobbins, you know, continues to work back up to speed, maybe we start to feel better about Baltimore. But it, it is tough. You know, you're talking about if you're making this bet, it's not getting to the Super Bowl. It's winning the Super Bowl. Right. So if you're an NFC team, it's like, okay, yeah, you can get there. If you're the Eagles, you can see the path. But are you going to beat the Bills? Are you going to beat the Chiefs? You know, if you're the Ravens, are you going to get by maybe having to play both of those teams on the way to the Super Bowl? I mean, as of right now, like it, it just feels like almost inconceivable that the Bills or the Chiefs won't be representing the AFC. But at the same token, we've seen so many crazy upsets over the years that um, I, I, I try not to worry too much about what the actual Super Bowl matchup would be. You know, like if that Giants team could beat the undefeated Patriots, I, I don't think the Bills are invincible, even if they make a dominant run to the Super Bowl. So to me, I'm, I'm kind of looking at some of these NFC teams and I, I'm kind of with you. Like I've, I've soured a little bit on the Bucks. You, you can see them getting there for sure. Obviously, they've done it before. Um, and I, I think they are the team, if you're comparing them to the 49ers, the Packers, uh, the Cowboys, yeah, the Vikings are at 20 to 1. Like, to me, Tampa Bay might still have the highest baseline. Like, you know you're going to get great quarterback play. You know the defense is going to show up. Uh, some of those other teams, to me, have bigger questions. So, like, I, I understand why the Buccaneers are 10 to 1, but I don't think they have the highest ceiling of those NFC contenders. No, I, I don't either. Um, so, I think, yeah, that that is the correct read. <sighs> Yeah, the NFC is funky because I think you framed it so well where winning the NFC and winning the Super Bowl is, are just two different things. I mean, we, we've been talked talking about like, you know, since the offseason and when, you know, and some of it has, has obviously fallen flat as far as uh, how murderous the uh, the AFC West is in, in particular. Um, but, you know, there, there's still, uh, you know, some pretty it's still a, a tougher conference on balance, I would say, that than the NFC, the, the NFC. Kind of top heavy. The Niners, of course, are, are pretty interesting as well. But um, yeah, I just don't feel like for sure that betting on any any of these NFC teams, it, it feels great going up against you know what what again like we're expecting uh, Bills or Chiefs uh, on the other side of that. Not that it's impossible, but yeah, we'll see. All right, so I'm going to throw out a couple uh, teams that 20, 20 to one and beyond uh, that that are at least intriguing to me intriguing i'm not saying i'm gonna bet it but intriguing um we got it we got to name the chargers they're at 22 to 1 right now uh, a massive discount you know relative to where you would have got this team coming into the year it does feel like they've underachieved and yet they're still in a great spot to at least make the playoffs you know it looks like the afc west is probably going to belong to the kansas city chiefs however you know a lot of time to go they'll, they'll play head-to-head -head one more time later in the season uh, but they're at least in a good spot to, to get into the dance. You know, they've avoided disaster a couple times already this year. And I, I think they're going to be healthier at the end of the season than they are right now. I think that's going to be uh, a team that could potentially still be pretty scary. Although I do have some major questions about their coaching. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals at 30 to one, this team was of course in the Super Bowl last year, uh, retaining almost that entire roster. I think they're maybe better than they were on offense last year, at least in terms of the the talent, you know, progression. But obviously, the results have not been there quite yet. So at thirty to one, I, I think that, that that's a team that you're probably not going to see um, any higher than this going forward, you know, unless they really underachieve. Um, and then the last one that I will throw out to you, and I don't love it, but 
the Tennessee Titans at 66 to one. A team that has a, a history of just finding ways to win. They're in a terrible division. They're going to have a really good chance to make the playoffs. Uh, and when you're talking about teams that are beyond 50 to one, just, just like saying like, yes, I feel good about this team making the playoffs. And then maybe something crazy happens and they make a run. I don't know. 66 to one. Am I, am I that crazy for even like having that thought come into my mind? No, because like, like you said, the, the path to the division crown and, and therefore a home playoff game is there and then anything can happen. And they're obviously an experienced team in the postseason, So uh, it hasn't always uh, resulted in, you know, them, them going extremely far, uh, you know, them being the one seed last year and then flopping. But, you know, this is still a, a team that made the uh, AFC championship a couple of years ago with, with a lot of the, that core still remaining. Again, you worry about the the top end upside when it comes to their, their group of pass catchers, but extremely well coached um, and, and the run game is going to continue to be a problem for everyone else to load up against, especially, you know, in a league where, you know, the, the Titans become a, a bit of an anomaly when you're game planning for them because everyone else is so concerned with, you know, st- slowing down the, these amazing passing attacks across the league. And you get the, you know, just this sledgehammer of a run game for, with uh, Derrick Henry and company. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. And then I, I think another one that I would toss out there is Miami Dolphins because it, it's not that long ago that we were like, are they, you know, go, going to be, you know, serious noisemakers in, in the AFC? And they beat the Bills, they beat the Bills man. And, and uh, you know, obviously a couple losses here to, to the Bengals and the Jets, but uh, those those are losses, but you got to take into account that you know Tua was not out there for for most of those, and you know they've had some some banged up pass catchers over these last couple of weeks. So if they can get right and get healthy, I think that this this might be like the time to to buy low on Miami, and and you know I think we could see these odds climb as as they get healthy. That's a really good call. I like that a lot. I think they're that like the tone on Miami has changed so dramatically over the last two weeks, really since the two-way injury. And it feels like it's been all negativity. They've, they've kind of had to deal with this firestorm of criticism around all that. And it, it really feels to me like these next couple of weeks are going to be a huge inflection point for them because obviously losing Bridgewater the way that they did, like the first play of the game hmm. last week, like they really had no chance to win that game. And, you know, Skylar Thompson, bless his heart, you know, it was just not prepared for that. And he probably shouldn't have been, right? I mean, it was just a really tough spot, you know, given everything that had happened. So, you know, they could... I think this whole Tua thing could end up kind of enveloping their entire season and just being this overwhelming narrative that they're not able to push through. And in some ways that would be acceptable. I mean, it's just been kind of a mess. Uh, but if he comes back and you know everything looks good and he's able to avoid any further injury, I don't think there's any reason to think that this team, you know, can't be as dangerous as any. Um, like, like you said, I mean, we, we saw them contain the bills on defense. They hit big plays when they needed to. Um, they, they are the team that I think, you know, nobody is going to feel comfortable against a full-strength Miami Dolphins team. Like you could be up, you, know, you could be the Chiefs. It could be Chiefs-Dolphins in the divisional round. The Chiefs could be up like 24-7 to 7 at halftime. But the Dolphins are that team that, you know, you just hit a couple long shots to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and all of a sudden you're right back in it. Um, I, I want to talk some Coach of the Year odds as well before we get to uh, the rest of the Week 6 games and, and then start talking some Survivor. Uh, coach of the Year is, is, is really, really interesting every single year. And, and I, oftentimes I feel like it just kind of goes to like, Who's been the biggest surprise coach? And and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Uh, right now, though, Nick Sirianni, plus 150 at that MGM to win coach of the year. The heavy favorite over Brian Dable, who's at 6-1. to one. Uh, Then you get into Mike McDaniel and Kevin O'Connell at 12-1. to one. 
I think there's a pretty big drop off after that. Somehow Brandon Staley is 16 to one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would put him at like 16,000 to one. I, I don't yeah. think he has any chance. Like, does anybody feel like he's done even like an average job so far? I mean, that, that is crazy to me. Um, right now it feels like a three man race between Sirianni, Dable and McDaniel. And I thought McDaniel had the upper hand a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think some people still maybe think he was involved in the two situation. I think that's kind of going to hurt his overall, uh, not reputation, but just, you know, just the way I think that we perceive him in the short term. Um, so if it's down to Sirianni and Dable, to me, I almost feel like those odds should be reversed the way that this award has tended to go, you know, to the kind right. of upstart surprise coach. Like I think Brian Dable has done significantly more with significantly less than Sirianni has. And Sirianni's done a fantastic job, of course, but I think to me, I would bet Dable right now at six to one. Yes, I, I would too. I'm I'm a l- little bit surprised that it's so decidedly uh, Sirianni as the favorite. I mean, I mean, again, uh, if the if the Eagles continue, like the the way that you can win a coach of the year, I think is to just like you have like a, a record that leaves no doubt to what to the point where like what usually is the case where it's narrative based. If it's like a first year head coach, like that they, they tend to have a leg up on on this type of award. But if like it's just that resounding of a of a of a season from from this Eagles team, if they end up going like fourteen and three or something, mm-hmm. uh, and, and are you know the the number one seed in the NFC, that then you know maybe it does go to Sirianni. One that I'm interested in that that it's lower than um, than Brandon Staley. It's another NFC East coach, but don't you think that Mike McCarthy and just by extension of them staying competitive. Without Dak Prescott, can't you hear the? Isn't this a great coaching job from Mike McCarthy? Just, uh, just you know, hitting the airwaves all, all over the place. Like I, I feel like I can. I feel like that that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I'm I'm a little bit surprised, frankly, that that you know I think a lot of people and myself included aren't like the b- biggest Mike McCarthy guys. Right. But uh, I, I mean, shoot, like for for them to be doing what they're doing right now without their starting quarterback and and to be doing it with with Cooper Rush is pretty wild. So, I mean, they've, uh, they, they kind of alluded to it after Dak went out where it's like, everyone's going to have to be better to make up for this. And everyone has been better. So I think that there is something to be said for that. And you can get McCarthy at 20 to one right now. So I, I think that I'm, I'm interested in, in him among these long shots, certainly more than guys like uh, Peterson or uh, Brandon Staley. Yeah. I like that call a lot. I really, it's funny. I kind of skipped right over Mike McCarthy and I, I think that's the, the prevailing belief that, you that every everybody's just like, yeah, he's not a good coach. Why would he ever win coach of the year? Uh, but no, I mean, if ever there was a time uh, it would be now. And I, I think a lot of people went into this year thinking this would maybe be Mike McCarthy's last year in Dallas. Uh, I think maybe, th- maybe thinking that he could maybe even not finish out the year if things go South. But yeah, I, I think, you know, everybody's talking about Cooper rush and, and all the credit he deserves for kind of steadying this ship without Dak. But yeah, it feels like in almost any other scenario, the coach would be getting a ton of credit here. Yeah, I mean, it, um, I, again, I'm su- surprised uh, that that he's not. Um, so you know that maybe that that gets a little bit louder as the season goes on, and we we kind of see how how real or fake uh, that this kind of hot start from the Cowboys out of nowhere uh, it proves out to be. But as it stands, you know, I, I think that a, a feather in, in a cap as far as uh, coach of the year goes is uh, you know coaching through uh, a certain level of adversity. And I mean, losing your quarterback late in the first game of, of the season for an extended period, I think certainly qualifies as that. And for them to be playing as well as they have in his absence, uh, I think it says a lot. All right, let's go rapid fire 
through these games that we haven't hit yet in week six. And we'll start uh, with one of the games in the early window, 49ers at the Atlanta Falcons, five and a half, uh, of course, in favor of San Francisco is the number right now at BetMGM. And again, make sure you're using our code BetRoto if you're using the BetMGM app or betting on BetMGM.com. I, I like the spot, of course, for San Francisco. And you're, you're not going to find a, a lot of people taking Atlanta straight up. They're, they're, they're banged up. You know, Kyle Pitts missed last week. We'll see what his status ends up being. They're still without Cordero Patterson, but found a way to storm back against the Buccaneers. You know, should have had one last chance uh, to potentially win that game. And, and who knows what happens if they get the ball back. I, I think, I mean, Atlanta has been displaying record levels of friskiness all year. They've, they've been a, a fun team to watch. They've, they've been like overall a bad team, but kind of a really fun and engaging bad team. And I, I think the 49ers take care of business, but second straight trip across the country. They were in Carolina last week. I, I don't, I don't know that this is as, as much of a pushover game as last week became for San Francisco. No, it, it definitely isn't. Um, point, one point though, um, I did, I did look into this, uh, as if the Niners needed to have their arms twisted to do this, but I believe they've stayed at the Greenbrier this week so that they've been able oh. to stay on the East Coast so that they, they don't have to ping pong back and forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Falcons are the only team that's perfect against the spread this year. Um, it, that, that, that's really impressive stuff from them. That, that goes to show you that every single week they're beating expectations. But I feel like the, the, the 49ers, they are banged up. Uh, we talked about uh, that that fact uh, on the XM show the the other night with, with Jim Coventry, uh, you know, maybe that that is being underserved as far as that this line is concerned. Um, but I, I'm starting to to get a feeling about this 49ers team. I think that defense is just so gnarly, and I, I also just think that we haven't seen the Marcus Mariota meltdown game, even though he's like tried to have meltdowns at various points this he's been season. Trying so hard. I know, right? Like he's he's doing his darndest, and I think that this is the week that it comes back to okay. bite him. So for for me, I'm I'm fairly strong on the Niners in, in this spot, even with the Falcons being cover machines. All right, so we've hit Pat's Browns, we've hit Jets Packers. It's time, Jags Colts, Jags corner Colts two point favorites. This line's been bouncing between two two and a half all week. I don't know what to do anymore, man. I I'm so down. <laughs> On, on the Jags and so down on Trevor Lawrence specifically. I mean, he's almost single-handedly lost them the last two games. Um, I, I'm starting to really question whether he's the guy. I, I think he, I think he has a just a super high floor long-term still. It's like, but you know, coming out of the draft, it was not unrealistic to think this guy could be a Mahomes, Herbert Rogers. You know, I wouldn't go as far as to say Brady level quarterback, but in that tier, and I, I'm almost ready to, to write that off as as a, even a possibility at this point. There's just there haven't been enough wow plays. There, there is what is the yeah? Game. What is the deal? The deal is that he is not consistent week to week. He can make the throws when they're wide open, but he's not like you don't need to be making these crazy you know Mahomes type of throws across your body or you know on the run flinging it 50 yards. Like you don't have to do that, but like I don't know. Like the best quarterbacks make those throws every now and then, and you know in addition to not hitting those like he's he's starting to sail you know wide open throws he's making terrible decisions like that interception in the end zone to Derek Stingley I mean that was that might have been the single worst throw in the NFL this season I mean that was just a a total gut punch especially at that point in the game uh, where the Jags absolutely needed to score Um, I I, I just I don't know what to think anymore like I've adjusted my Trevor Lawrence expectation to I hope he can become Matt Ryan rather than I hope he can become Justin Herbert 
Wow. I mean, strong, but, but fair. I, I think the, the numbers and the performance back up what, what you, what you say, like he, for every wow throw, it feels like there, there's a bunch of missed opportunities and, and, you know, it, equal amount of, of killer mistakes there. Oh. So, I mean, how, how does that apply this time around? You know, Indianapolis all salty uh, and well rested, but uh, you know, yeah. still remembering what happened in Jacksonville in Week Two. Do they do they get even on the ledger here? Well, I mean, they're they're two point favorites, and they are at home for this one. It sounds like Jonathan Taylor will likely be back. Um, you know, he was still pretty limited earlier this week, but was able to get back in practice. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't come out of that Thursday night game against Denver, like feeling great about Indianapolis. Right. But I also like the Jags just lost at home to the Texans. So what do you do? Right. right. I mean, I, I think I'm convinced that the Colts are not a good team. They've been much more of a mess from start to finish thus far than the Jaguars have, but the Jaguars are, have also, you know, reproven last week that they are capable of losing to just about anybody. And Trevor Lawrence has yet to prove that he's the type of quarterback that could put these performances behind him. Right. You know, like there, there's uh, the best quarterbacks in the league when they have a bad game and it happens like, Patrick Mahomes did not have a great game when they lost to the Colts a few weeks ago, but you're never like, well, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is good anymore. It's like, you just know, like for the rest of the year on balance, he's going to be great 90 to 95% of the time. I don't feel that way with Lawrence. Like I, I feel like there could be a snowball effect here. So I'm approaching this one with caution. I have not decided uh, you know, where I'm going to put my real money this week. I, I believe I took the, the Jags to cover in staff picks. Um, in my pick'em league, this is way at the bottom. Uh, it's only ahead of the you know the Bears Commanders game, which is the, the toss-up of all toss-ups. And I, I just don't know what to think. I, I don't know what to think of this Jags team. They on paper they should be the better team. They've already proven once that they can demolish this Indianapolis team. But I, I kind of have this like feeling in the back of my mind that they're they're gradually reverting to the same old Jags. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there, and and uh, you know I think. I, I'm just kind of following along that thread to to where like it, it's it's getting hard to trust Jacksonville again. Just when you're we're, we're about ready to yeah. be like, okay, there's there's something here. Uh, they they go ahead and pull a performance like they did a week ago. So I think I will just kind of hold my nose and, and take Indianapolis in this one. And and if there was like a, a bright spot from from last week, other than just straight up winning. Um, Looks like Alec Pierce might be a guy. So t- t- yeah. if you're if you're in the props, maybe a little maybe a little anytime touchdown yep. sprinkle uh, on, yeah, he's on, on Mr. He's Pierce. He's not dude watch for sure. Yeah, I mean he was he was like fighting fighting back to the ball like these horrible ducks that Matt Ryan was throwing and just like yeah. you know physically just kind of dom- dominating and like you know his combine performance was insane. So he's got serious tools and Michael Pittman's good, but I, I feel like they've needed that number two. Uh, basically all along and it feels like Pierce is, is ready to be that guy yeah I this is going to be a like Sunday at 11 59 a.m uh, type of lock it in for me I just yeah. I don't know I, I need I need to get a couple more sleeps on this one uh all right let's go quickly through the rest of these Bengals yes. at Saints uh Bengals minus two on the road at New Orleans we've seen the Saints you know kind of get some respect especially at home uh in these games this season but uh, the Bengals too, I, I think are one of those teams that much like the Rams still getting some benefit of the doubt uh, from years past. And, and they're a team to me that they have not looked nearly as disastrous as the Rams have. Like watching the Rams has not been a pleasurable experience this year. Like to me, it's still there with the Bengals. They're just, you know, it's just like, man, if they just, if they just had made this conversion or they just, you know, ran this play instead of doing a shovel pass to their seventh string receiver mm-hmm. on the goal line, you know, maybe that would have been different. Um, so I, I, I do feel like the Bengals are that team that could turn the corner really quickly and become a threat 
but we're five weeks in and, and they still haven't done that. So we'll see, man. And, and I think it's encouraging though, that, you know, Seattle was able to score on this Saints defense. I think if Seattle could do that and, and they are an offense that we have to respect, that's for sure. But I think if Seattle could do that, if, if Cincy comes in with a healthy T Higgins, I, I'm pretty confident they'll be able to put up some points. Yeah. And you know, it seems like the action is firmly on the Bengals. Um, so it feels like, I think a lot of people feel like this is a, a discount. Like you're, there's a good buying opportunity for, for the yeah. Bengals. I, I'm going to cut the other way. I, I feel like the, the saints, they have some sort of strange voodoo cooking down there. And, and um, you know, for them to be as close as they were in London, come back the following week and, and cover the spread against, um, against the Seahawks. I'm just going to keep going. I, I feel like the, the saints, uh, win this one outright and, and, uh, you know, it doesn't totally shock me that, that the number is this low and that people are being, uh, you know, kind of encouraged necessarily, but, you know, emboldened to, to be like, Oh, Bengals only, you know, they only have to win by a field goal. It's like, not so fast, my friend. I, I think the saints could win this one. They absolutely can. Um, I, I, we're starting to just kind of have some questions about this offense too. I mean, Olave goes with the concussion, uh, Michael Thomas, you know, has, has been banged up these last few weeks after his good start. Obviously, the quarterback situation is in flux. And you also can't depend on moving the ball on, on the Seattle defense every single week, right? Like, that was that's as easy as it's going to get all year. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get four touchdowns out of Taysom Hill every single week. So I, I actually think I, I think like the Bengals' defense matches up pretty well uh, with what New Orleans wants to do. I don't really trust either of those quarterbacks right now, no. uh, Dalton or Jameis, whoever's under center this week. Uh, Ravens-Giants. Ravens, six-point favorites on the road at New York. Uh, I really like this spot for Baltimore. Um, you know, I, I know you're coming off of a, an emotional you know, divisional game uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals at home this past week. And I, I think this is one of those games where Baltimore played badly enough to lose on offense and didn't. And I, I think you come out of that feeling like, all right, look, we survived that one. Now let's keep it rolling. And I, I just I cannot buy in on the Giants yet. I really, deep down, I really, really don't think this is a good team. They're they're not a good team. They're 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 well coached. They're they're good. They're like kind of the what we wanted the Lions to be. Um yeah. in the in the sense of like that they are they're winning the 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 close games. They'll, they'll drag you into the deep waters or wh- whatever Dan Campbell was saying uh in, in hard knocks. Um so it feels like the, the Giants have that vibe. So like the Ravens definitely need to come correct here uh in order to to escape with it with a victory or let alone covering the spread. I could, I could see backing the giants here, but I don't see them winning, uh, which I know is always like a, a tricky little, you know, line to line to be walking. But um, I, I do feel like the Ravens win. I think the JK Dobbins is starting to get in gear. I thought he looked good on limited work this past week. If they get Rashad Bateman back, great, but it, it, it doesn't really change everything. Um, you know, Mark Andrews can still do damage. Devin Duvernay proving to be a capable uh, receiver out there as well. And I, I just think that this Giants o- offense, um, it's so limited in, in what it can do that they can't really hurt the Ravens in a way that a team with a, with a competent passing attack can. So Baltimore hasn't been great against the run, to be clear. Um, so I, I wouldn't like fade Saquon and DFS or anything, but you know, I think the Ravens are going to spend extra attention on him and then just kind of make Daniel Jones beat them. Um, it, another interesting detail Giants defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, former longtime Ravens defensive oh, yeah. coordinator. So uh, we'll see what, what he has cooked up, you know, what, what he noticed over the years with, with this uh, Ravens offense and what he can do to maybe exploit it. I'm interested to see how, how the Giants come out on defense. 
I love that you said Wink Martindale and then cooked up because I feel like that's like when ninety percent of the time when the name Martindale is mentioned, cooked up is followed closely after that. It's like, well, what, what is what is Martindale going to cook up here on this third down? Like he's he's always just cooking. He's not cooking sleeves. I, I know that much. That that guy hates a sleeve. Yeah, yeah, disgusted by the sight of a sleeve. Um, all right, we we talked Bucks Steelers. Uh, I think we we both like the Bucks in that situation, even if it's yet another like semi unconvincing win for Tampa. Um, let's go all the way down to Bill's Chiefs. Somehow we've gone the entire episode uh, without talking about like what's easily the biggest game of the year so far and might go down uh, as the single biggest regular season game all year. Bill's minus two and a half at Kansas City. A, a little bit of disrespect here, especially with the Chiefs offense rolling. I know the defense looked a little bit shaky, gave up some big plays uh, against the Raiders on Monday night, but uh, I, I, I'm a little surprised here. Although I will say I agree with the line. I, I think the Buffalo Bills, really want this game. I think they've had this game circled uh, since the day that the schedule came out. I, I think that this is going to mean a lot more to them than it is to Kansas City. Uh, these are two teams that, that are already, you know, kind of in charge in their divisions. Like, I, I just, I can't see Kansas City working itself up for this game as much as Buffalo will. And, and the Bills also have one extra day to prepare. See, that that's the true difference with, with the gambling podcast because you, usually the, this game, like, leads every single, like, bit of media this week. But yeah. Nah, nah, man. Like we, we got to figure out if the Panthers can cover ten and a half before hey, they're we all get equal to, to us. See, exactly. So, um, yeah, this is, I believe, uh, the first time that Patrick Mahomes has been a, a home underdog uh, since since taking over in Kansas City. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I think that the Bills kind of established themselves at, at the top of the AFC. Um, you, I, I am. I guess that my big takeaway from. More specifically, this past Monday, uh, the Raiders game and how it applies to Buffalo is that Buffalo can't hurt Kansas City the same ways, but they, they also have Josh Allen, which uh, the Raiders uh, do not last time I checked. Um, but I, I felt like Josh Jacobs uh, was running all over uh, the Chiefs. I don't know if the bill or if the Bills can really make the Chiefs run defense pay for it, but they again, they still have Josh Allen, so um, I, I still feel like the Bills defense a little bit stronger. Um, I think it's important. I think this is this might be the week where not having Tyreek Hill um, really kind of ends up hurting the Chiefs. Like for the first time all year, we really feel um, the the difference of a Tyreek Hill less uh, Kansas City offense, and so I, I feel like they're not going to be able to get those quick scores uh, to respond every single time. They got to be a little bit more methodical. And the more plays that you're running against this Bills defense, I think the trickier it might get. So I will go Bills. Yeah, it feels like that's that's the prevailing uh, belief this week is that you know Buffalo, uh, you know, really the revenge factor I think is going to be played up a ton and, and rightfully so. And I, I again, I think the Bills are going to make this their Super Bowl and and it's it's a tight line to walk as a, as a team that is competing for the real Super Bowl as well. Like you don't want to pour everything into some random Week Six game, but I, I really think that they want to to send a message to Kansas City in this game. And I I know you and I both try to not buy into the narrative-y type of stuff like that. But I, this is an exception for me. Like I, I truly think we're going to see Buffalo come out and, and, and have like a, a really spirited effort, but you know, you watch Patrick Mahomes these last couple of weeks, like especially in that Raiders game, like he's fired up. Like, I, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm now going to go right back into these same tropes. Like, I don't know if he's heard the, you know, like Justin Herbert is catching up that Josh Allen might be better than him narrative, that type of thing. But like he, he does kind of seem like he has a little bit of a, a mean streak this season that wasn't necessarily there for a lot of last year. Yeah, he threw up the fours. Like he was, he was keeping count of the. He's fighting uh, his offensive coordinator. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, yeah, um, Jokerified Mahomes is a scary guy to go against. Uh, I'll give you that. Yeah. All right, Cowboys, Eagles, and Broncos, Chargers are our lone remaining games. Those are the Sunday and Monday standalone games this week. Uh, we got the Dallas Cowboys sitting as six and a half point dogs at Philadelphia. I like the Eagles to win this game. Uh, I've kind of been waiting week by week for for Cooper Rush to finally lose. I, I, maybe he's just never going to lose. That we have to consider that possibility at this point. Um, this might finally be the week though, where where Dallas is just a little too overmatched i think they've they've kind of had this uncanny ability the last few weeks of just like catching whatever team has like the worst offensive line at the time just has to play the cowboys the next week and i I think that this is finally kind of a bad matchup for dallas no i think i think that's totally fair to you know wait wait for the other shoe to drop as far as cooper rush goes and you know the eagles can certainly you know make that happen um but i I think on the other side i don't feel like we've seen jalen hurts like get knocked around or, or or like knocked off a spot, be made super uncomfortable just yet. And the Cowboys are the team that that can make that happen. So for this line to have climbed up, you know, I think it was like five, five and a half earlier this week. I think I'm on the Cowboys here. I think that, you know, Jalen hurts is a good player when things are going right. And I I think that this is a spot where, where the Cowboys uh, you'll have to keep an eye on Micah Parsons because I know he's been dealing with the groin. Mm -hmm. Um, But if he's out there, this Dallas defense is scary enough to where like Jalen Hurts might look a little. We we might see some uh some of the college Jalen Hurts that that we knew and and didn't expect to be a, a very very good uh, NFL quarterback. So I, I think that the, I I like the direction that the line is going as someone who is going to back the Cowboys here. Ooh, all right, all right. I mean it's it's getting a little big for me. I'll say that. I, I think that I think this should probably be hanging in like the five five and a half range, it's getting up. Six and a half to seven to me is, is a little bit disrespectful for this Dallas defense. Uh, Broncos Chargers, Denver just plays every game in primetime these days. Uh, I, I I don't know what to expect from this team at all anymore. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, underwent some sort of shoulder uh, procedure this week. And, you know, that doesn't seem like a, it's moving in the right direction. I think the coaching remains pretty disastrous. You know, the, the, the injuries continue to pile up for Denver. And yet the Chargers are one of those teams that, you don't necessarily trust, even with all the talent, they have injuries of their own that um, they always kind of find ways to, you know, even when they're up big on the Texans, all of a sudden that becomes a one score game and they're, they're fumbling kickoffs and they're making bad decisions. Like I, I like the chargers to win this game at home. Uh, but again, not a team that, that has a great home, home field advantage. Uh, there's just enough here that I, I could see the Broncos like in almost a like left for dead bounce back situation i mean it, they've, they've absolutely hit rock bottom last week you, you think it can't get any worse than that like I, I think the chargers are going to be you know really really heavily bet in this game i know it's like they're getting like three quarters of the bets so far uh, everybody's jumping off denver like is there any hope for the broncos to bounce back here or is this just a lock in chargers minus five and, and and put it away yeah i'm not seeing it for the broncos uh, i think that this is another very public very ugly showing by them and and uh yeah, I mean, as much as I don't love backing the Chargers with, with you know, significant numbers, I, I just think that the Broncos are that bad. And I think that their their coach kind of like, you know, is going to almost afford uh, the Chargers like two points by his own bad decision making. So yeah. um, I, I just feel like this sets up to where the, the Broncos, even if they play their best game of the season, I think it ends up not being enough. Um, so I, I do like the Chargers as public as it is. 
I just can't find I can't find find any sort of scenario that I run through in my head where, where the Broncos do this, which of course invariably means that they will. But for now, uh, uh, hard out uh, on Denver. All right, let's do Survivor picks and best bets, and then we're out of here. Uh, who are you taking in Survivor, and and who are the teams that you're thinking about fading? Um, so I I think I'm going to fade the Rams. Uh, I know that um they they are one of the few like kind of layups uh, uh, this week. Um, but I, I just feel like that there's something weird brewing with, with that game. And if I don't like them against the spread, I, I, I think Survivor, I'm, I'm going to be out on that as well, even though, you know, the number is, is much different. Them only winning by nine points, uh, you know, not the same as them losing mm-hmm. outright. So I think my Survivor pick this week, and I hate doing road teams, but I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I, I just yeah. think that this sets up pretty well for them going up against a banged up Dolphins team that might be starting Skylar Thompson. Okay. I like it. I, I like the bucks. If you still have them available uh, and I should know it, you know, for, for purposes of integrity, I got knocked out of the road wire survivor contest last week by taking the Jags. So I, I'm going to be taking like simulated reps the rest of the way, uh, much like an injured Russell Wilson. I'll be doing like a simulated survivor. Uh, pick each week and that's what the christian hackenberg special mental reps yes exactly i'm taking a lot of mental reps for next year's survivor contest um i i like the bucks i think they're in a good spot if you have them left and then i really like the ravens uh to to kind of turn the giants back into a pumpkin this week and you know the the giants are so well coached and they've they've made uh the best with what they have that i could see them keeping this game close especially if that baltimore secondary falters a little bit but if we're just talking straight up, like I, I don't see the Ravens losing that game. So I, I like Baltimore quite a bit. I, I have the Rams as my fade as well. I, I Again, it's almost inconceivable that they lose this game, given everything that's going on with Carolina. But I don't know, man. You could just kind of see it. Like Matthew Stafford, you know, fumbles, and all of a sudden Carolina has the ball at the five-yard line, and, you know, they're up 7 nothing, and there's a little bit of panic. And all of a sudden this, like, are they playing harder for Steve Wilkes narrative starts to emerge. Like, it, oh, yeah. it's just not something I want a part of. No, absolutely not. So, I mean, you see the vision, you, you get it. And I, I think like the, the important thing to note in, in survivor, you know, yeah, yes. A lot of the time, like the most popular team it is the right pick, but on those weeks that it's not, you get a huge amount of leverage on, on the field. If, if everyone kind of falls off the cliff mm-hmm. and this week where, where it seems like the Rams are, are so far and away uh, going to be the most popular selection. Um, yep. Given what that they've given, what they've given, us as far as sample goes so far this year and you know they're they're getting like a third of the survivor picks this week oh man like i just i can't quite go there i can't go for that as hollow notes once said give me your lock give me your lock of the week a fourth straight read could be on the line here (sighs) zach wilson don't do it to me baby seven and a half points jets cover that Jets to cover seven and a half at the Green Bay Packers. I like it. That was on my list. Once I saw you were taking it uh, for the sake of competition, I didn't want to have uh, a double lock. I'm taking the Ravens minus six. You know, I, I, I said I'd right. take them in Survivor. I would take them against the the, the spread as well. I, I think they cover this. I think they look really good. I, I think we, you know, we start to have some questions about the Giants for those of us who aren't questioning that. I and mean, it feels like just about everybody is. But um, it, to me, it feels like New York has been cruising for a bruising. For a while, uh, and I, I think the Baltimore Ravens uh, are the team that that hands it to them. Yeah, the the Ravens traditionally like that they beat the teams that that are not better than them, and I, I think the, mm-hmm. the Giants qualify in, in this particular instance. They, they, you know, they struggle against the better teams, but yep. uh, usually they they can kind of take care of business in pretty resounding fashion when they have the edge. All right, 
looking forward to uh, another amazing week in the NFL. Week six is going to be fun. I mean, it, it's it's a shame that we have four teams on by. You know, like, uh, going from 16 to 14 games is, like, already kind of devastating. Like, I'm not looking forward to some of those bigger bye weeks uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, but if you're throwing down any wagers this weekend, make sure you're doing that over at betmgm.com or the betmgm app. You can use promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Get that first bet risk-free. Uh, very much looking forward to watching football uh, on Sunday. John, got, got another wedding back in Wisconsin on Saturday. So I'm kind of doing like the Tony Stewart two races in one day. Type oh, of my gosh. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a whirlwind weekend. But, uh, look, we got legal sports betting out here in Colorado. So that, that's been huge. Uh, you know, looking forward to enjoying that over the next couple of days. I, I was going to say, like, the, the the wedding scheduling gods really really did kind of bless it because you, you could have been put in a spot with two Saturday weddings. And then, exactly. then you got to pick. And it's like, oh, my God, how do I – how do I justify this? How do I tell the, the person whose wedding I'm not yeah. going to, but you know, but you don't have that problem. You're, you, you know, you just liquid IV and some grit and you're going to get right through it. Exactly. I, I, I dragged my, my sticks out here. We're going to play some golf tomorrow morning. I mean, it's, it's, it's really working out. Okay. You said it. I mean, the Lord has, has really smiled on me, uh, but that'll do it for the NFL portion of the podcast. We're going to talk some college football. So make sure you stick around for that. Week seven in the college football season, John McKechnie, uh, this is a, as you described it, an amazing slate, and I could not agree more. Uh, this is a loaded, loaded slate. I would say pretty easily the best week of the year so far in terms of big head-to-head matchups. You know, we had a big uh, week zero, week one, had a ton of big games, and then a little bit of a lull. But man, college football is back in a big way this week. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I, I've been trying to to think through when the last time a, a regular season. Um, had a week quite like this. I, I think that you know you get the a couple of top ten matchups. Uh, you you know I think the Tennessee Alabama game not necessarily a, a a changing of the guard on the line there, but I think at the same time there there could be some legitimacy proven uh, to this early season hype that the Tennessee has been building. They get that game at home. We don't know what what's up with Bryce Young right now. I like Tennessee in that game on the money line even um, and and definitely. Uh, to, to cover. Um, again, we'll, we'll have to see what Bryce Young and, and his outlook is. I know Jalen Milrow is is just kind of a, a tank that, that can throw football. It's kind of ridiculous, but um, you know Tennessee's defense has been bad, but they, they had a bye week to get things straightened out after the Florida game. Then they really, really shut down an LSU offense that you know probably isn't really going anywhere either, but I think that that builds some confidence, builds a little bit of momentum, doing what they did in Death Valley last week. So um, if they can just keep a lid on on Bama, um, you know that this could get you know they, Fall Nation like a like a group of cicadas that have been you know molting under the dirt for 17 years. Uh, they're they're they could be back out in full force and they could be very very loud and annoying. But uh, there we are. Um, so really looking forward to that one. Michigan Penn State 10 versus four. Uh, that's awesome. You know uh, to to get that one in mid October. Um, I like Michigan. In that one, I think that Michigan could baptize uh, Penn State a little bit. I think that Sean Clifford is he is who we thought he is. And J.J. McCarthy, I think, is an ascending. You know, he could be uh, a legitimately good quarterback, not even just by like Michigan standards. Like, I, th- I think that he really kind of he might have the goods uh, after all. And, and Blake Corum is a stud, too. Uh, I imagine the defense is going to show up, uh, hold Penn State in check. Um you know, I feel bad for, for what's happened to Kentucky. Um, you know, they lose the close one at Ole Miss 
and then uh, no Levis last week. It ends up in the in this you know horrible, inexplicable. Uh, what when they you know a thousand years from now, then they uncover the results of the 2022 college football season. They will not understand how South Carolina was able to beat Kentucky. Um, but there we are. Um, but if he's back, uh, Kentucky, Will Levis uh, is particular. Um, them versus Miss State. I like the I like Kentucky on the money line. Although Miss State is you know they're they're really putting a, a nice um, season together as well. And then uh, USC Utah. I like Utah to win this one. Um, I think this is a good time to to get back in on them. I know that they they just lost to UCLA, um, but I, I think that Utah they they tend to just kind of like blow one of these games every year, and then they they start finishing strong. So I think it, it begins here. Um, against USC. Um, I don't know your your thoughts on, on those you know big ranked matchups. Well, first of all, I, I could tell you that Tennessee's fans are not going to care if Bryce Young is healthy or not. I, I I think if Bryce Young doesn't end up playing in this game and Alabama loses, there's going to be a lot of like, well, they would have won if they had Bryce Young. I don't think anybody in Knoxville is going to want to hear that. Trust me, as a as a Georgia fan who has to hear that that Jamison Williams would have single handedly uh, won won Alabama the national championship. Al- Alabama fans they they love nothing more than getting to use an excuse, nothing more. You know, I'm trying to like rapidly do some research on on this right now. I mean, you would probably know better off the top of your head than me, but this is the biggest game for Tennessee football since blank. I mean, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. Um, so. We got to college in 2010. Tennessee had like basically already become irrelevant at that point. So yeah. I, I think we're talking this century. This is the biggest game. I think pretty easily, right? I mean, I don't. I really can't remember them being in this type of position where it really felt like they had a, a good chance. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say like this is a changing of the guard, just given the circumstances uh, with Bryce Young. You know, even if he does play in this game, he's probably going to be hobbled. I think Alabama is going to have that uh, as kind of a, an excuse, for lack of a better term. Uh, should they lose this game in their back pocket? But again, Tennessee's not going to care. Like, a win's a win as far as you're concerned. And being able to move to 6-0 and uh, with that win on your resume would be just massive and, and potentially set them up uh, for, for a playoff berth. I mean, Kansas, I, I you brought them up. I, I just am astounded at the the turnaround by Lance Leipold. I mean, the, the Big 12 is just a complete disaster this year. Um, I mean, it feels like everything has just a been... a beautiful disaster, though. Shout out 311. Excuse me? I just gave 311 a shout out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I thought I heard in my AirPods. Um, I mean, it just it just feels like somebody just kind of is picking names out of a hat each week for who's going to be the best team in the Big 12. But it's, it's been really fun. It's made for a lot of theater. Uh, Michigan State, Penn State, very much looking forward to that in the Big Ten. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to get my thoughts together post-Wisconsin. It's like, how do I how do I find a way to enjoy the rest of this college football season uh, with how the Badgers have looked? And I don't know if you saw this morning, they – dismissed their second highest rated recruit in program history, Logan Brown, the, the yeah. offensive lineman, uh, kicked off the team. So things continue to roll along in Madison. Oh, he spun it as a uh, as a hitting the transfer portal. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I saw as well. I think that was the official terminology. He is in the transfer portal, technically, uh, but apparently there was a uh, some sort of fight, uh, I guess, at practice, and he just basically got booted off the team. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I remember... You know, I do, I do still follow recruiting fairly closely. I do remember him being kind of a, a feather in the cap for for one of those later uh, Paul Christ recruiting classes. Uh, so yeah, things things are not going super well there. Although luckily for you, there's cover in that in the sense that uh, it's going worse for Michigan State. So 
That is true. We we could always bank on that. Um, all right, give me give me like three or four other games that you're keeping an eye on uh, for betting purposes this weekend, and then we'll get out of here. Okay, so Oklahoma State TCU. I do not have a side on this one yet. I, I don't. I don't think I will ha- have that one f- firmly figured out until like you know eleven fifty nine Eastern uh, time on, on Saturday. But that that one's going to be a lot of fun. But some other bets that that I do like for this week. I think my beautiful Maryland Terrapins cover eleven points against Indiana. I think Indiana's bad, and I think that Maryland is pretty decent. Um, so I, I think that Maryland can win that one by two touchdowns. Fresno State, keep an eye on on Jake Hayner and his status, but I, I don't think that this Fresno State team is a touchdown worse than San Jose State, so um, I would take them to to cover that. I, I don't know if I'm quite going money line. What we'll see, but uh, as it stands, uh, definitely like plus six and a half for Fresno State. And uh, sad sad to do it. Um, I, I've got some connection to the University of Arizona. My my uncle went there. So, you know, I, I, oh. I wear my I wear my Arizona shirt uh, on occasional podcasts and things. But oh. uh, it's you know, a very the, cool shirt. I can attest. Yeah. The, the old, you know, the old like Mike Bibby uh, yes. desert one. Um, but I'm going to pick on their football team again. And I think that they're going to go up to Washington and get uh, beat pretty, pretty soundly. So I, I would take uh, the West Coast dogs to, to go ahead and cover against the Cats. All right. I love it, my man. We got a fun college football Saturday coming at us. I will be uh, battling, as I feel like I always am, to find a TV or get a stream or maybe have to bring my iPad to these weddings. Uh, hopefully this is one where they actually have TVs up and I don't have to, to make a big fuss. But uh, nonetheless, it should be a really fun Saturday and an even more su- more fun Sunday. Uh, best of luck to all of you uh, and all of your betting. Uh, and you specifically, Jonathan. Uh, we'll talk next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.